That same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, this one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and made other stars look pale beside it. God put it there when his baby son was born to be like a spotlight, shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. So he pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here, he's come, go and see him, my little boy. Now, where would you send your splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe? Or a palace, perhaps? God sent his to a little hillside outside a little town in the middle of the night. He sent all those angels to sing to a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. In those days, remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them other rude names, which I can't possibly mention here. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed, because they're the ones he chose to tell the good news to first. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields warming themselves by a campfire when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was that? A wing beat? They, were, they turned around and standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone everywhere today in David's town in Bethlehem. God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. And behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels armed with light. And they were singing a beautiful song, glory to God, to God be fame and honor and all our hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stemmed out their fire, left their sheep, raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets, through a courtyard, down some step, step, steps, past an inn, round a corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached. Thanks for reading the Nativity Story, Kendra. That is my favorite nativity story, my favorite story of the day that our Savior, Jesus, was born. For those of you who don't know, uh, that's my wife, Kendra. Kendra's a preschool teacher at First Presbyterian Preschool uh, in the Stadium District in Tacoma. Uh, she's been there for a lot of years. Matter of fact, I tell people all the time that my wife uh, has been the most requested teacher uh, a preschool teacher at that school and First Presbyterian for seven out of the last like 10 years has been voted the number one preschool in the South Sound. So the number one requested teacher, number one school, ergo, she's the best preschool teacher in the 253. Every year she reads that story to her class. And this year, 
I was sitting in the living room, I think playing video games, MLB The Show or 2K is probably what I was playing, and I heard Kendra reading that story to Camille. And I'm not gonna lie, in that moment I got the chills. What a beautiful, serene, amazing, wonderful story. And when I read that story, I think of the joy and the peace. And I think about what we're talking about right now. We're in our Advent series and I can just feel the anticipation. I can feel the room filling up with the presence of God. And this week in our Advent series, we're talking about peace. There is no more peaceful story than what you just read in the Children's Storybook Bible. Not only that, when I'm thinking about peace, I also think about this. You might be wondering, okay, Eddie, what's going on? Yes, I am wearing my Christmas pajamas, brand new, fresh out the box, shout outs to target.com delivery. Uh, when I think of peaceful Christmas, I think of looking something like this, sitting on my couch with a cup of tea, hot cocoa or coffee, nuzzle up against Camille and Kendra, watching the world's best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Come on now. For all of you out there who are wondering, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. That is peaceful to me. That is the perfect picture of peace. But here's the fascinating thing. Here's the interesting thing. That day when the baby Jesus was born to his mother and father, that day was anything but peaceful. Can I read that story again, but in the ESV? This is probably, will sound a little bit more familiar to you, even though I'll be honest, that story of the children's storybook Bible is my favorite, that version. Luke chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the, all the world should be registered. This was the first registration uh, uh, when Quinarius was, Quiner, I can never say those words, we'll skip that, was governor of Syria. All and all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph went also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea and the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of the King David. He went there to be registered with his Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. She was carrying a little baby Jesus. And while, there, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In those famous words, there was no room in the inn. Verse eight, and in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and then suddenly the angel appeared with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Here's the fascinating part about the story. Now, actually, before I get to the fascinating part, I have to tell you, I have always wanted to share 
an Advent message. Always wanted to. I, I don't know about you. Kirk shared last week. He did a great job talking about the, the, the hope, right? The anticipation that we have as believers. And Kurt told you that he grew up in a very liturgical church culture. I did not. I was Pentecostal, charismatic craziness, full on, full out. I wasn't raised in church, but when I was, so when I made the decision to follow Christ, all the churches I was a part of, very tacitly at best, paid attention to Advent. You hear about it maybe in passing, you knew people who busted open the candle and took some chocolate out of there that they bought it at uh, one of those stores that always sells the little Advent candles. But I never, for the first 10 years or so of my faith journey, I never stepped in to understand what Advent is. And as I started to understand that Advent and the anticipation and the taking time to pause and to ponder and to think and to receive and to get filled up with anticipation, until I really stopped and did that, Advent didn't make a lot of sense to me. But then when I did, when I did, something changed in me because I realized Advent is something that didn't come natural to me. The pausing, the sitting, and the waiting, and the thinking, and the pondering is so counter to everything that I do and so counter to everything our culture is all about. But there's something powerful when you sit, and you wait, and you receive. So I spent the last couple of weeks when Kurt, Marty, Liz, and I talked about Advent, and I found that I was going to be able to share during Advent. I was pumped. And so I've been preparing for this message for a while, and I actually started kind of my Advent journey this season a little bit early. And it was tough at first. The first week I had to break through some inertia because I had to remind myself it's okay to sit and receive what the Lord has for me. It's okay to sit and ponder. Then after that first week or so, I started feeling this rush of joy and anticipation. And this week we're talking about peace. And I started thinking through what was it like in that day? What was it like when the shepherds showed up on the scene? What was it like? And after reading the story and hearing the story in the children's storybook Bible, three things stood out to me. Here's the reality. Everybody in this story is doing their job. I'm going to say that again. Everybody, every person or every group of people in this story is doing their job. And there's three parties we're going to talk about. The first party are the shepherds. Verse 8 tells us this. At, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks at night. Here's what you need to know about the shepherds. In the children's storybook Bible, it called them the stinky shepherds. People always had a, an opinion about who they were. But here's what I see when I read about the shepherds. The shepherds were just doing their job. They were at the place they were supposed to be, doing the thing they were supposed to be doing in the right season, in the right time. They were in the right place at the right time. They represent us, I believe, in this Nativity Advent story. They represent us, believers. They are the ones who are the ordinary in the extraordinary. They are the ones who have no idea about what's to come their way, but they get to participate in what God has for them. Why? Because they're just doing their job. Uh, many years ago, I was kind of coming up with some sermon ideas, and, and, and I'm a dork. Can I be honest? I'm a dork on a few things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Marvel dork. I'm a sports dork. And I'm kind of a church, Christian, ministry, Bible dork, okay? And I love just sitting back and thinking about sermon ideas. I know. Go figure, right? You, you're not shocked. 
And I remember years ago, I came up with a line. I can honestly say this is fresh for me. Some of the things I tell you, I'll be honest, I get them from other people. I, 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 I shine them up real good and make it sound like uh, I came up with the idea. But this one came up with me. I came up with myself, I should say. God wants to use natural people in unnatural ways to accomplish supernatural results. Matter of fact, I think I've said that before here at Redeemed Church, but let me say it again. God wants to use natural people in unnatural ways to accomplish supernatural results. What I'm saying is, is God wants to use people who are filled with his presence, filled with his spirit, who are living on mission, who are where they're supposed to be, in the right place at the right time, they're doing the natural thing. And when we do what we're supposed to do, when we're doing the natural, when we're doing the ordinary, when we're at the bank, when we're pumping gas, when we're going to school, when we're going to work, the Holy Spirit wants to meet us right where we're at and bring his supernatural so he can accomplish unnatural things through us. He wants to use us to be the extraordinary amongst the ordinary. This is the story of Christmas for us. We are invited to participate in the supernatural. We get to live out our bilingual faith. We get to be Jesus in our world. It's much different degree than it was in the story, in the, in, in, in the, in the gospel story here. But even Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah, all just ordinary people who God said, because you're in the right place at the right time, we're gonna do something extraordinary. Because you're a natural person willing to step in to the space that the Lord has created, I'm gonna do something supernatural and some unnatural, crazy, wild things are gonna happen. Just by doing your job, doing what you're supposed to be doing, you get to experience the extraordinary in the ordinary. When you seek the Lord, when you love others well, when you give back, when you bless those around you, you get to be a part of the extraordinary. This season right now of Advent, there's so many ordinary things that are going on, but we've always got to remind ourselves, we've always got to keep our mindset focused and bring ourselves to be in position to when the ordinary is around us and everyone's indulging in the season, buying the gifts, that we step to the scene and we bring the holy presence of God to every situation. The second group doing their job in this story are the angels. They're the second group doing their job. First we have the shepherds, now we have the angels. Let's read verses nine through 11. And the angel of the Lord appeared, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto, this, un, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly there was a light and a multitude of angels, a heavenly host, were praising God, saying, verse 14, glory, glory, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. And when the angel went away from them to heaven, the shepherd said, yo, let's go. I added that part. Here you see the angels doing their job. They're singing. They're bringing a message from the Lord. They're praising and they're worshiping God. And it's not just one. It's a host of angels shining with the glory of God. Anytime you see angels, let me give you a context for angels in Scripture. 
Anytime you see angels in scripture, let me tell you the four things they're always doing, okay? Anytime you see angels in scripture, you will always see them doing one of these four things. Number one, they're always, they're, they're doing some combination of these four things. They're attending to believers. They're attending to those who are followers of God, followers of Christ. Number two, they are worshiping God, okay? All right. Number three, they are warring. They are in battle. They are fighting. They are contending. Or number four, they are bringing message from God to humanity. You see these things here in scripture. The angels are worshiping, right? You see this. They're bringing a message. They're, they're serving. They're helping. You see in Isaiah chapter five, when, uh, when uh, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and there were angels worshiping, saying glory, 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 holy, holy, holy. Matthew 4, the angels came and attended to Jesus after the devil tempted him. Matthew 25, Jesus says, hey, in the final judgment, angels are coming and they swing in some swords and they ch taking checks and breaking necks. Okay. Matthew 26, Jesus is like, yo, if I wanted to, I could send a legion of angels and they would wreck shop. Angels are always attending to the needs of believers, worshiping the Lord God Almighty, Warring, fighting, battling, and contending, or they're bringing a message from the Lord. The angels here, the angels show up here in the story to let you know something's going down. Let me tell you something about me. You may not know this. You may not. You might be able to assume this. You might not. But if you want to know a little bit about Eddie Johnson, the pre-Jesus Eddie Johnson... In my circle group of friends, this is kind of late elementary school, middle school, Eddie, okay? Just to give you some context. I would be, I wasn't, I've been in a few fights, but I wasn't the fighter. I was never a pacifist. I was never the guy who would avoid a fight, but I wasn't necessarily the guy who started the fight. I would be what you would call in a, the, the, the friend group situation of knuckleheaded little boys. I was what called the instigator, okay? Right? I was the guy who'd be like, hey, yo. He was talking about you. Yeah, you should go settle that. And then I would sit back and watch the chaos flying. Uh, this is actually a true story. Uh, I think it was sixth grade. I had just moved here to Washington. Uh, so it was fifth or sixth grade. Uh, and uh, there was a kid who I didn't like at school. I don't remember his name. But I, I was teasing him, making fun of him. All my friends were like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. And uh, this kid got mad. And he actually took a swing at me. We ended up getting a tussle, a little fight. I shoved him. He shoved me. I threw him down. Uh, and then our teacher came, broke it all up. And uh, the teacher said, what happened here? And not only was I the instigator, but I was always a pretty good, smooth talker. All right. Basically, I talked to him. Even though I started it, I was teasing this kid. I was making fun of him. I kind of like got him riled up. I talked my way out of getting in trouble, and he got in trouble, and I got away scot-free. True story. That actually happened to me again in high school as well. All right? I'm telling you, I was the instigator. I was the kid with the silver tongue who could get hit himself into a lot of trouble and out of a lot of trouble. Okay, why did I go on that little diatribe about Eddie? Because I think the angels are something similar. Anytime you see angels in Scripture, they're here to remind you. Don't just pay attention to what's going on. You're going to want to participate in what God has for us today. Let me say that again. Anytime angels show up to attend, to take care of believers, to war and to find the behalf of God, to bring a message from God or worshiping God, they're letting you know that what's happening right now is not just for you to watch and observe. It's not just for you to pay attention. It's a call for you to participate. Step into the supernatural. Step into the season that God has for you. So when these angels show up, 
in the glory of God himself. And the shepherds are fearful. And they're like, ah, oh, what do we do? The angels say what? They're like, yo, you're going to want to be a part of this. There's an amazing God in heaven. He set something up here on earth. You want to be a part of it. This is good news for you and for all people. And when the angels leave, what's the final words? The shepherds say, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels were doing their job. The shepherds were doing their job. And the third party, the third party that's just doing their job is the little baby Jesus. It's Jesus. I, I, is anybody else like me? Have you seen the movie Talladega Nights? If you've seen the movie Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell, I don't need to describe it. If you haven't seen the movie Talladega Nights, all right, I've never said this before, and but this is spiritual. The Holy Spirit, no, he's not telling me to do this. Time out this video right now. Time out the podcast right now. Here's what I want you to do. Just go to YouTube, type in Talladega Nights, baby Jesus, and watch the clip, okay? Because you kind of got to do it to understand what I'm about to say right now. And if you already seen Talladega Nights, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm doing. You know what I'm setting up here. The baby Jesus, the son of God, the one who is man as if he is not God and is God as if he is not man. He is fully God, fully man from this moment, from the moment the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. From the moment that child is born, the moment he walks on earth, the moment he speaks his first word, the moment from the, from the very, very, very beginning. The Bible says from the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain, which also means that the lamb, there, there, there's, a, there's a great story it's an allegory. I think it's, I wasn't going to go there. I'm going to hit on this real fast and we'll move on. Uh, there's a, uh, an allegory uh, written by Max Licato. Uh, he wrote something called Cosmic Christmas. Really cool Christmas uh, story. And in the story, when the world's falling apart and the Lord can see in the totality of the future of humanity, he's sitting there with the Holy Spirit. God the Father sits there with the Holy Spirit. He sits there with his son Jesus. And Max Licato's um, allegory story or his, his fictionalized story of the Christmas narrative before he even shows up on earth. That's why it's called a cosmic Christmas. He tells of how Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the anointed one, raises his hand and says, I'll go. The baby Jesus, our savior, our Christ child is doing his job. Verse 11, for unto you born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, uh, with the angel, there were a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those to whom, with whom he is pleased. The baby's job is to be a peace bringer. That's the baby's job. Isaiah 9 tells us this. He foretold this, for unto us a child is born, us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, I think this story hit me, hits me differently now that I'm a dad for the first time. <laughs> Having Camille, this feels different. Because the baby's job, Jesus' job, even as a baby, he's fully the Christ. His job was and is to bring peace. 
which is why I want to start this message off with a children's story book Bible. Because I want to make it clear that it, it's, this is a child, this is the story of a baby, a child, the Christ child who brings peace. This is why I want to wear Christmas PJs because it's all about bringing peace. But here's the irony of the whole story. Every time Jesus shows up, from the moment of inception to the birth of the baby, to the man who lived and the Christ that was slain um, and died on a cross and rose again, every time Jesus shows up, before he brings peace, he disrupts the peace. That's the irony of the story. Read your gospel, read your Bible. Every time Jesus shows up on the scene, he always brings peace. But before peace can come, he disrupts the peace. He refuses to allow the status quo to go on. And I think the reason why is because we all have a messed up, jacked up, warped view of peace. We think peace is what I said, sitting on the couch, having it our way, watching Die Hard, doing what we want, how we want, when we want. But that's not peace according to the Bible. When you look at this word, arine, in the Greek, peace, it's never about things being your way. It's never about things going your way, functioning the way you want them to function. It's all about the, 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 the peace that only God can bring, the peace that transcends governments, the peace that transcends society, the peace that transcends what we know and we understand it's tied to the word shalom. It's all about making things right, bringing things together. One of the ways you can translate this word is literally the word one. It means making things one again. Did you know that every single book of the New Testament except one, every single book of the New Testament except one has this word for peace. And most of them have it several times in there. Peace, 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 peace. I think the reason why it's in the Bible so often is because like I said, when Jesus shows up as the peace bringer, before he brings peace, he has to disrupt the peace. Romans chapter five, I think, gives a perfect illustration of what this means and what this looks like. Romans five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the baby is the peace bringer. Through him, we have also obtained access to faith into this grace by which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of glory in the, in the glory of God. Not only that, we don't just rejoice in the hope. We don't just rejoice in the good times. We just don't rejoice when everything is going our way. Verse three, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Verse six, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for one who is righteous though perhaps for a good person would dare to even die. But God showed his love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be even saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we, if for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by, his death, by the death of his son, 
How much more now that we are, excuse me, <laughs> for, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let me just say this. We have a really warped view of peace. Jesus says, I haven't come to make everything perfect. I've come to help you understand that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of uh, uh, the, the emperor trying to kill all the babies, in the midst of the fear when you feel the Lord is tugging on your heart, in the midst of the intimidation and anxiety and, and all the pressure that Joseph and Mary probably went through, in the midst of what it was like to be betrayed by one of your 12 closest friends, in the midst of what it's like to feel like the world is bombarding everything on you and around you. Jesus brings peace. But before he brings peace, he disrupts the peace because he needs to remind us that his peace isn't like the peace that the world brings. We know that because John chapter 17 says that. I don't give peace like the world gives peace. I don't do this like everyone else does. I do it differently. And because he does it differently, church, we're called to do it differently. Wrap up with this. Our job as believers isn't to be the peace bringer. That was Jesus' job. He's the reason we can even enter into peace. Our job isn't even to be peace keepers. That's impossible. There will never be a time in life when we have complete and utter peace. But our job is to be peacemakers. Because when we make peace, when we rest in peace, when we hold on to the peace in the midst of the chaos, we become like Jesus. Everyone is doing their job and peace is doing its job. Church, thank you so much for being a part of this. I hope to see you in person in the next few weeks as we go over Advent. I hope to see you in person when we get to do church in our brand new building at the People's Plaza. And I hope more than anything else that right now that you stop and pause and say, Lord, in the midst of everything, help me find your peace. Father, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you next time. God bless.